Welcome back to the Money Markets Macro Podcast, brought to you by Atticus Capital. Find us at oneatticus.com. I'm your host, Liam Hennessy. Now, over the past few months and past few shows, at times we've discussed the yield curve. We've discussed the yield curve in the United States, which is inverted and continuously becoming more and more inverted. We've discussed the yield curve in Italy and Germany and all over the place. And I've also mentioned at times the yield curve, or not the yield curve inversion, but the euro dollar futures curve. And that's a little bit more of a complex discussion because the Euro dollar futures curve reflects actual contracts labeled euro dollars, but these aren't the same things as euro dollars more broadly speaking. You know, there's two, you can think of them in two categories where one set, you know, one definition of euro dollars is the broad monetary base, this global monetary system that operates in the form of you know, virtual liquid cash, essentially, and a bunch of different derivative contracts uh, that a lot like we mentioned from the BIS report that we recently covered in one of the special reports. All of those short-term you know, interest rate swaps and futures and forwards and FX swaps and currency swaps, those can all really be under the classification of euro dollars. And then we then those are the euro dollars more broadly speaking. And then we have the actual euro dollar contracts, which are uh, you know, time deposits denominated in U.S. dollars, and they're held at commercial banks outside the U.S., and they typically serve as a, a benchmark for interest rate hedging for a lot of different corporations and firms around the world. Say, you know, we have two firms in, you know, maybe East Asia, maybe Korea or Japan who want to trade with, you know, some European, Danish, Swedish Swiss firms and they'll use these euro dollars more broadly speaking to trade for certain items and then they'll use the euro dollar contracts themselves to hedge those positions on their own balance sheet. So it's a, it's a rather complex world but you know my hope is hopefully we can slowly and progressively explain these in better and better formats but the reason I want to bring this up for this week is because there's an element that we haven't yet discussed and a lot of it comes down to the dual or duality of the narratives that exist in the world. There's one coming from the Federal Reserve and from the government and from you know, a, a large consortium of very well-respected, very intelligent economists that are saying inflation's the risk and we need to continuously increase rates at the short end of the curve and we need to fight this inflation and we need it to come down. And you know, we, you've heard the whole ordeal, I'm assuming. It's rather commonly repeated in media, you know, the, the, these major news organizations and maybe CNBC and Forbes and Bloomberg and so on and so forth. But there is that competitive, not narrative, but there's the competitive data 
that has seemingly been arguing for quite a long time, at least for you know, about a year here, that the inflation argument just can't necessarily square with. And that is the data that we continuously see from all of these global indicators. We've mentioned many times, like I just mentioned, the, the yield curve in the United States for the treasury securities, where you have bills, notes, and bonds. And those represent debt, and these securities are you know, the pristine collateral, and everybody uses them around the world to hedge positions, to pad balance sheets, to trade internationally, so on and so forth. We discussed at times the oil futures curve, which... We discussed recently going into contango from backwardation, presenting another indication that there's something awry in the global economy. And the importance of the data element, the data contrarian argument to the main assumptions made in the economy today it shows a, a vast difference between expectations. Now, I personally like to tend and rest more confidence on the side of what the data specifically is telling. Because it's you know, empirical data and we get a sense of what it is the real players in this system are, are doing. And that's essentially the main and core element to why we look at these curves and why we look at this specific data in general is because on the other side of a lot of this data is you know tens of trillions of dollars in derivatives that need to be hedged a lot of firms and a lot of companies outside of the united states and this comes back to the article we read that the federal reserve doesn't look at the global economy in the same way it looks at the U.S. banks. And therefore, it's going to undoubtedly miss a lot of what's occurring, you know, especially, as the article mentioned, if the problems keep occurring outside the U.S. and the Federal Reserve just can't seem to figure out what's going wrong. Everything in the U.S. looks rather normal and pretty good, but things just can't seem to go right. Why is that? Because... They're not looking where the problem really resides. And that's no different today. We're seeing continuously, and even now, more than before in the last few months, is that these problems are continuing to get worse. The curve inversions are continuing to deepen. And that tells us that these global money managers are continuously betting against the Federal Reserve. They're continuously betting against the inflation argument. They're continuously betting that the real risk, the recessionary risk, and the reason a lot of this is occurring is, well, not even the reason, but the real risk here is quite the opposite. It's the overwhelming deflationary forces at play. As we've discussed time and again, 
the inflation argument really starts to fall apart once you pass beyond the CARES Act. The CARES Act was the principle for the inflation argument. I know individuals like Peter Schiff have gone back decades to say this has been, you know, QE1, QE2, QE3, QE infinity. Yes, all of these things. But those are all bank reserve centered programs. It isn't as simple as just the Federal Reserve, uh, you know, going to an ATM machine that has an infinite amount of bills and throwing it into the economy. It's not that simplistic. It's a lot more complex. You're dealing with bank reserves. You're dealing with reserve ratio requirements. You're dealing with commercial banks. You know, the, the Federal Reserve can throw a quintillion bank reserves at the commercial banks, but if the banks refuse to lend because of economic and prevailing economic conditions, then that QE just won't do anything. And some would argue that QE itself restricts capital by removing collateral from the system. But that's a whole other debate and discussion we can get into some other time. But coming back to the curves and coming back to the importance of a lot of this data and a lot of this information that has been you know, raising the alarm bells for months and months and months and reflected again in you know, following the recent CPI data, where presumably, given, we'll say, the, you know, if we take at face value the inflationist argument that the Federal Reserve needs to hike interest rates and the economy is facing inflation and, you know, the inflation only came down from 9.1% to 6.7% since June of 2022 which is disinflationary, you could say right now, that the Federal Reserve needs to continuously hike rates into, you know, the stratosphere until we get inflation down to 2% and everything else. You get the picture. Red hot economy. And so, given that that argument is taken at face value, what you would expect to see, given the, the recent CPI, led really by energy, but one would expect to see that, okay, inflation is falling. The yield curves are all wonky because there was inflation and they had to set expectations and these global money market, or these global money managers had to, you know, hedge their bets, but they were hedging their bets, obviously in a deflationary environment towards a deflationary environment, but regardless, well, then CPI falling would likely reflect some attempt to move in a more normalization of the yield curve and the euro dollar curve where you would see rates of the long end start to normalize they start to rise you'd see rates of the short end start to fall because expectations on the short term is that inflation is going to be lower over the short term and it will likely be that inflation then over the long term relative to the short term period would be higher and so you'd start to see these rates normalize at the long end and normalize at the short end and we'd start to see a normal curve re-emerge but that didn't happen in fact what did happen was that the yield curve after the CPI report 
about a week ago, got worse. I'm going to use the, the one month in the tenure as an example of this. Uh, the 1st of January of 2023, the one month was trading at, or was yielding 4.17%. Tenure was yielding you 3.79%. CPI came out, we got our information, we got the data, the CPI is coming down, inflation's finally recovering, things can go back to normal, soft landing, yada yada. But on the 13th, the one month had risen to 4.58%. And the 10-year fell to 3.49%. The inversions are deepening. Now, that doesn't square with the data that we're getting. If the risk is inflation, and the Fed's fighting inflation, and presumably inflation is falling then the Fed's doing their job. The Fed has done their job. They've fixed the problem. And everything is hunky-dory. But that is not showing up in the data. The global money managers, the real forces behind the global economy, those tens of trillions of dollars being hedged, are continuously betting and betting to a greater degree the Fed's wrong. And it may be that the fear is that the Federal Reserve is going to continuously hike interest rates, even though the data is showing them that these hiking of interest rates was completely and wholly unnecessary the whole time. Obviously, we don't know what it would have been like if the Fed had not hiked rates, but here we are. The yield curve is deeper than it was before the CPI. It got worse right after, even though it should have gotten better, theoretically, hypothetically, given the inflation argument to be correct. So that tells us that what these global money managers, and I'll continue to use that term since it's too complex to use, you know, asset managers, hedge funds, leverage funds, insurance companies, so on and so forth, you get the picture. That they're betting the Federal Reserve has to cut rates. That the risk here is an inflation. That the risk here is deflation. That the risk here is, you know, maybe disinflation in the short term, deflation in the long term, and the consequential recession led by this deflationary force. And so, to really step back and take a look at this, we have to think about what it is the economy will endure if the real risk here isn't the inflation-induced recession, but inversely, a deflationary-induced recession. What does that mean for the economy? What does that mean for individuals? What does that mean for investors? And all of these questions have very complex answers that I myself don't really know. I... I'm not sure exactly. This is the first time, at least in my history, that I've gone through this and experienced this sort of economic effect to this degree with this amount of focus on it. So as we go throughout 2023, 
I'm going to continuously come back to this. And we'll discuss time and again, as we progress through this year, the importance of these curves and what these curves are continuously telling us and what the global money managers are doing. So with that being said, we'll keep it a short one today. And I highly recommend going into this information and data if you have the wherewithal, if you have the the willingness to do it. And it's a, it's a little complex and a lot of Excel files that you start up and maybe at some point we'll be able to share with you all of the uh, data files, Excel files that we have here or that I've built up and maybe at some point we'll put them up on our website so everybody can use them. If I just clean them up a little bit, maybe we can get that going. So as always, thank you for listening in. There is so much more to discuss on this topic and there's so much more to delve into. Very excited to do so. But we will close it out here. Thanks for listening. We will see you all in the next one.